0: This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon for the 11th Sunday after Pentecost, August 8th, 2021 offered at the church of the messiah in heflin alabama the principal text for the sermon is ephesians chapter 4 verse 25 through chapter 5 verse 2. may i speak in the name of one god father son and holy spirit amen i'm glad to be back again with you here this morning um, beginning what is going to be our more regular pattern of life together, of being here twice a month um, to, to worship with y'all. And so uh, I'm glad to sort of start that time together with you. Um, and I want to invite us to start in maybe a rather un-Episcopalian way, because this morning I want to talk a little bit about the devil. Um, we don't like to talk about the devil very much in the Episcopal Church, but just bear with me Um The way we have depicted the devil in art and popular culture has changed throughout history we sort of started off depicting the devil as some sort of inhuman monster for a long time when we would put the devil in a picture we would make the devil blue because our understanding was that if you were um, cast out from the light of God, that you would be in a very cold place, and so that you would be blue and cold. Um, Later, we have associated the devil with fiery and hot places, and so the devil became red. Sometimes it looked like a dragon or a serpent. We've painted the devil as a beautiful fallen angel. In more contemporary times, as we have gained new understanding for our own capacity of evil, Our depictions of the devil have morphed into being sort of one of us. There's a famous painting um, of a tailor making a Nazi uniform that is supposed to be an image of the devil. Recently in popular culture, there is a TV show where the devil is a flashy, rich, attractive man named Lucifer Morningstar. The Bible leaves a lot of room for interpretation when it comes to what the devil looks like and how the devil works. Usually, in our scriptures, the devil is an off-stage character. Now, there are a few times that the devil gets a speaking role, and the appearance is left to our imagination, such as when Adam and Eve are tempted in the garden, or Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. But some more of our modern imaginings of the workings of the devil that I think are best supported by scripture come from C.S. Lewis's 1942 book, The Screwtape Letters. In this uh, series of letters put together in a book, C.S. Lewis imagines sort of the devil and the devil's work as being carried out by this bureaucracy of demons. And in this book, the senior demon, Screwtape, is advising his nephew, Wormwood, about the bureaucratic workings of temptation. Screwtape writes that the safest road to hell is the gradual one the gentle slope, soft underfoot without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. And that the real trick that his young mentor, mentee should learn is that no matter how humans imagine the work of the devil going, that their job really isn't to put things into our minds, but instead is their best work is done by curtain, keeping certain things out of our thoughts. We come to our passage from, the, from Ephesians this morning, and we hear the phrase, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Now this passage has perhaps given rise to one of the most often pieces of marital advice, which is simply don't go to bed angry, but it is actually talking about a more universal experience of anger. I am willing to bet that at some point this very week you have been angry about something now you might have been angry at some person or angry about some situation and it's important to note that Ephesians doesn't say don't be angry in fact it says the opposite it says be angry Anger is a powerful and useful emotion. It's sort of like pain. It lets us know that there is something wrong in the world or in the situation around us. It's a warning alarm. But what the writer does say is that we can be angry, but we cannot sin. That we do not sin just by saying that we're angry or being angry. We sin when we let that anger become all-consuming and make it to where we don't actually do anything about what, us, what made us mad in the first place. What we need to look out for, the writer to, to the Ephesians warns us, is that if we linger too long in the anger, that it's that what can make room for the devil. In the Message Bible, which is a contemporary transliteration of Scripture, is translated this way. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Because once the devil has a foothold, the devil can limit our vision and keep us trapped in our anger and keep out of our minds the love of God and of our neighbors. And the real trick of the devil is to keep our thoughts on ourselves and not on God. I think a lot of what is going on right now in our communities and in our state and in our country is that people are angry we've been angry for a long time we've had lots of things to be angry about we're angry that we've lost loved ones we're angry that we've lost jobs and economic security we're angry that we've had to cancel weddings and trips and celebrations We're angry that we have to go back to wearing masks. We're angry that not everyone is vaccinated. We're not we're angry that not everyone can be vaccinated. We're angry that we have to spend a lot of time trying to keep up with what seems to be endlessly changing information just so that we can do our best to make decisions for ourselves and our families and our communities. We've been angry for a real long time for good reason. And perhaps we are the angriest because whatever side of the issue we find ourselves on, we're angry because we become so sure that we're right and the other side is wrong. And if they would just see it our way, then this would all go away. For nearly 18 months, the sun has risen and set on our collective Pandemic, fear, anxiety, and anger. I dare to say that the devil doesn't just have a foothold in many of our lives, but seems to have moved into their own room and set up a giant mirror that just keeps reflecting back to us the anger and fear that we are experiencing. And it is exhausting. But here's the good news. We can kick the devil out. When we were baptized, either ourselves or someone on behalf of us, the first question they had to answer was, do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? And the answer was a resounding, I renounce them. That means the devil is on borrowed time and can only set up shop in our lives for as long as we let him. Paul reminds us in Ephesians, that this whole world-changing salvation that has come through Jesus Christ is already a completed event that is still coming into its fullness. We are already saved. We are already made the body of Christ. The divisions between us are already no more through the love and grace of God. That we have been baptized into a new life. All we have to do is act like it. And that that new life in Christ requires us to speak truthfully to our neighbors. Now, before you get too excited to run out and to tell your neighbors how you are truthfully the rightest one and that you have so much more truth to tell, you got to listen to the rest of what Paul has to say. Because when Paul says you got to tell the truth to your neighbors, You got to say to them what is useful for building them up so that our words that we say give grace to those who hear them and it gets even trickier because paul goes on to say that we baptized in christ into a new life in god are called to put all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice we're to put that aside and be kind to one another, to be tender-hearted to one another, to forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. Now, think about that moment that you were maybe mad this week, and think about if you had stopped and read just this one passage from Ephesians before you responded to what you were mad about. What if we stopped and read this passage before we went in to have a conversation with somebody that we disagreed with, or before we forwarded that email, or before we posted something on social media? If we just stopped to check on if we were reacting out of anger and if what we were about to say or send would build others up, was it kind, I think things would look a lot different right now. Right now, so many of us in our communities are scared and angry with a lot of reasons to be, but as Christians, we know the dangers of lingering in that anger, the dangers of the devil finding a toehold to narrow our vision and thinking, to thinking just about ourselves and not our neighbors and not about God. But we also know that being saved through Jesus Christ, the devil only has as much power as we are willing to give him. So this week, as you go out into the world, as you maybe get angry about things, as you watch the news, as you have conversations with family and friends, I ask you to do a couple of things. The first is take your bulletin insert with you that's got the reading. It will fold down neatly. You can put it in your wallet. I carried around this passage of Ephesians all this week and read it every morning. I invite you to do that. Read it every morning while you drink your coffee or before you go to bed and just consider what it means to be a people of God so knit together that we can put away all of our bitterness and wrath and anger and deal with each other in kindness. And then the second thing that I ask you to do, it's a real concrete sort of thing as we're sitting here with face masks in order to protect those that cannot be vaccinated is if you have gotten the COVID vaccine And if you know somebody that has not and maybe has questions about it find a way that you can in kindness and graciousness share with them why you chose to get the vaccine and then listen to what they have to say back to you with that same kindness and graciousness and if you have not gotten the vaccine I ask that you, one, go talk to your healthcare provider, but then go to somebody that's maybe in this community that you know that has gotten the vaccine and talk to them in kindness and with grace about why they chose to get it and listen to what they have to say. What 18 months of a pandemic has taught me is that we are truly interconnected in a way that I did not understand before. We depend on each other for our health, for our well-being, for our economic stability, that we can no longer be blinded by our anger and we can no longer allow our vision to be so narrow to our own wants and desires that we forget that what we do affects those around us. It's not about being right, but it is about being kind and listening to each other and taking care of each other. Paul tells us that we are called to be imitators of God. And that means that we are called to live in love as Christ loved us. These words should sound familiar. They're often often what we say right before the Eucharist. When we bring up our offerings of financial offerings and our offerings of bread and wine, we bring them to the altar to be transformed and given over to God. We are called to be imitators of God, to live in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I hope that this week you can find a way to offer yourself into the service of God in the love and kindness that we are called to. Amen.